This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We've got a good show planned. We're going to be speaking with Iowa Senior Senator Charles Grassley here in segment two about what all is happening in Washington, D.C. And then in the final two segments of the show, we're going to get an update from the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. They held their annual fly-in in Washington, D.C., discussed a lot of issues and policies that they are fighting for. We'll be hearing from Dr. Brooke Miller, the president of that organization, and Justin Tupper, a vice president, later on in the show. But before we get into all of that we've got to talk markets and joining me today to do that is jim mccormick of agmarket.net jim thanks for joining me today thanks for having me appreciate being on you know one of the things i want to start with jim was the fed move yesterday we saw the rate hike that was very much anticipated by the market but it was a little bigger than the trade i think was anticipated would that be fair to say i'd be fair to say i mean i think the market was pretty much convinced he was going to raise it a half point this go around another half point the next go around the inflation numbers pushed their hand they end up raising it three quarters of a point. Now they're talking another half to maybe three quarters. The next go around, the reality is the Fed is trying to take some of the liquidity out of the market. There's just too much money sloshing around, and this is their way of doing it. They're making life a little bit more expensive. If you look what the price of houses are right now, you know they're at three, three and a half percent. You know, 90 days ago, and they're now six and a quarter, six and a half percent. That will slow down the buying of the house, which then slows down the builders, which then slows down the people filling those houses with new furniture, and that slows down the economy. If you slow down the economy, the goal is to slow down inflation. Okay, that makes sense. I'd seen some comments on Facebook. Folks were wondering, isn't this just a new additional cost for me in an inflationary environment? But by raising costs, we're going to slow everything down and back demand off. That's the Fed's goal. That is the Fed's goal right now. If you notice your 401k right now, it is getting beaten up really, really bad right now. Because what's happening as they're raising these interest rates, it's making it more expensive across the board. On top of it, you've got the war premium and the problems with Ukraine. So these companies' profit margins are gonna get squeezed. If their profit margins get squeezed, their stocks aren't as profitable, the stock market goes down. So you know their goal right now, like I was saying, is trying to get people to not spend as much money, as funny as that is, but that's kind of where we're at. But we're, they're kind of walking a very delicate dance. They wanna slow down the consumer spending but they don't want to slow it down so much that it puts us into a recession. And that's getting trickier and trickier to do. My guess, eventually, we will probably, unfortunately, get pushed into a recession. Hopefully, it's just not too, of a, too deep of one. Yes, indeed. And Jim, even though we've got all this happening, we see the corn market rallying today. We're up 10 cents in the old crop. What's happening at corn? Well, right now, since you're getting a little bit of decoupling, I mean, take a step back, Mike. At first, we saw the corn market kind of rally on a lot over the last you know year, year and a half in general, a lot of inflationary money coming in. The crude oil market's making a move higher, and it was just, I want to own commodities due to inflation. Now, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some of that downdraft happen at day to day every once in a while, as some of that pure spec money is getting out of the inflationary play as they try to mitigate risk with the cryptocurrencies losing some estimates up to $2 trillion in the last six months, stock market down hard. So you're seeing some of that spec money come out, but the grain market has kind of decoupled itself a little bit because the reality is we still have a food crisis in the world right now. Stocks use are still relatively tight. You take China out of the question, they're some of the tightest stocks used in 10 years. And now we, you can't get the grain out of the Ukraine. We've all heard a lot of stories about the Ukraine. They've actually got a pretty good crop on the way, believe it or not. They've got a lot of it planted. They got a decent wheat crop, all things considered, with a war going on. But we can't get that out of the country. And if you can't get that grain out of the country, these importing countries around the world have got to find different buyers or suppliers, excuse me, and the U.S. could be part of that plan. But now you've got this incredible heat that we've just battled here in the Midwest right now. We've got more, we've cooled down a little bit. We got another round of heat next week, it looks like. And then we just got the NOAA longer range maps. It just came out this morning, the 30 day forecast, as well as the three month forecast in general is a trend of below normal rainfall and above normal heat. So the market is continuing to put a little bit of weather premium 
back into this corn market as we move ever so closely to this critical uh, pollination period. Jim, anytime we start seeing premium get added to the market as a producer, it's really hard to let those sell orders sit because the market's moving higher. How should you be handling the corn that you've got planted in the ground right now? Not for those folks that are still sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to dry down, but with the corn in the ground, how should you be handling marketing right now? Well, right now, we our group at agmarket.net believes you need to start taking some of the risk off this marketplace right now. When you look at the price of corn, where it's at, what it costs to put the crop in, it is still profitable for 99% of the people out there. We're saying you want to lay that risk off, either sell some cash, maybe do an HTA, sell futures or buy puts, do something to get a floor under it. We would recommend it if you go to the cash or an HTA route, you might consider buying some out of the money calls, maybe like an August short dated or a September short dated because the weather really is going to be critical. If this heat really comes in and really does a number on the yield, we're probably not done seeing this market move and we could see one more explosive move higher because the reality is we look at the current balance sheet. It doesn't look too bad, but we're using 89 and a half million acres. That may be a stretch with the wet spring we have. So we might lose a half million to a million acres there. And then the yield, the trend yield they're using right now matches last year's record 177. With this heat coming in, that looks like that could be a stretch as well. So if we start losing yield and then we start losing those acres, then you've got to go into a rationing mode. And that gets even more tricky right now because we say well, we're going to usually high prices cure high prices. But if you lose that supply from Ukraine, even though it's there, but it's not accessible, the market may have to go even higher yet. So that's where the calls against those cash positions are what we're recommending. But I want to get back to the fact that we, Mike, we are really encouraging guys to get stuff hedged because that grain in the Ukraine, even though it's not exportable right now, it probably will get resolved somewhere down the line. And if we'd get a ceasefire tomorrow, my belief is you see a very hard correction in all these markets is there's a lot of war premium in it. So that's the other reason to do it. One other thing I want to talk about marketing grain is our group is not just looking at the 22 crop. We're also encouraging people to start take a serious look at the 2023 crop. We know some guys are starting, uh, you know, pricing a little bit of fertilizer and all that. We want to make sure these prices are locked in because one thing history tells us when these markets go up like this, it's usually a multiple year high more than likely. So we want to encourage guys to develop marketing plans that don't market just this year's crop, but next year's crop. Are you looking at all the 2024's crop? Interesting enough, we were talking about that just yesterday. You got 24s just dancing right near $6 corn. Now, when you look at $6 corn to where July corn's trading at, it looks relatively cheap. And I, I suppose we have a really severe weather problem this summer. That $6 corn may be cheap. But on the other hand, if you look back on the long arc of history, usually when you're selling $6 corn, it usually pays. Fantastic. Jim, tell our listeners, where can they go to learn more about agmarket.net? I think actually you said it best. Go to agmarket.net. You can go to our webpage, get a sign up for our research. Also go to agmarket.net, link off of that on the website, and you can download our app. Fantastic, folks. That was Jim McCormick there from agmarket.net. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. And folks, stick around. Iowa's senior senator, Mr. Charles Grassley, will join the show when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Each week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. 
The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Get on board. The water is open. It's time to go boating and fishing and leave stress in our wake. Feel the wind as we ride and a fish on the line. Reel in our first catch and feel the sun at our backs. It's get out on the water season. It's time to get on board. Find out where to get on board near you. Visit Take Me Fishing and Discover Boating to learn more. And please recreate responsibly. Get on board. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today, ladies and gentlemen. Up next, we are getting to the heart of issues in Washington, D.C. with Iowa's senior senator, Mr. Chuck Grassley. Senator, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on AOA today. Hey, listen, when we can talk agriculture, I'll be with you any, any time. Fantastic, Senator. Well, let's start in agriculture then. You have been working very hard on the cattle market price discovery and transparency bill. Senator, give us an update. What are the next steps for that bill on Capitol Hill? Wednesday next, it will be voted out of committee. Uh, And uh, when it gets up on the floor, will be uh, according to Senator Schumer. But Senator Tester, my main Democrat helping me, uh, he uh, would uh, w- has been talking to Schumer, and Tester tells me Schumer wants to find time for this on the floor of the Senate. And the Democrats decide the agenda for the United States Senate floor. All right. So uh, with that I, green I like, light, it could I, be moving in for a vote. Senator, how is the bipartisan nature of this bill? Are you continuing to find folks from across the aisle to sign on? Uh Nine Democrats, ten Republicans, and this would be a win for the Iowa cattle producers who have been pushing this issue for years and years, and I'm glad to be in the lead to help them. And uh, this is badly needed, you know, because the four meat packers, uh, big ones, have 85% of of the slaughter daily, and then you know they have a cozy relationship. Uh, between um, uh, the feedlots of Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Colorado, and that eats up about 85% of the daily kill. So people in Iowa and Nebraska, Minnesota, 
where they want, like to negotiate on a daily price. Uh, sometimes they don't know if they get a fair price. Uh, sometimes they can't deliver. So this will have more information for what's sold on contract, so they got better price discovery, and then they'll be able to deliver their cattle within 14 days. All right. And hopefully, if this bill were to pass, it would help bring down meat prices at the retail counter as well by encouraging competition because those retail prices, Senator, inflation is on everybody's mind right now. I'd like to turn our focus a little bit to a bill you just introduced, the Middle Class Savings and Investment Act. Senator, tell us what would this do differently to help combat inflation? Well, there are some incentives in the law. Uh, that uh, encourages savings. Now, some of those go back to legislation I got pushed in in 2001 and 2003. But because of inflation, the income levels where you get zero uh, tax on interest on savings, those need to be increased. And because of inflation, uh, we need to increase the amount that they can get a credit for. So the legislation takes care of that. And how it helps inflation is when you encourage people to save, uh, there's uh, from savings you get more productivity. Uh, That helps inflation. And when people don't spend, when they save instead of spending, uh, then that reduces demand. And and one of the reasons we have inflation is because there's more money uh, pushing uh, uh, more demand. Absolutely, Senator. And yesterday, you had the opportunity to talk to the press, and you talked about how energy policy also is contributing to inflation. As you look out over this summer, what can Congress do to encourage more domestic energy production? Well, if if the Democrats would let us bring up a bill, we would reverse all the bad policies of this administration. I don't think uh, Democrats want to talk anything except what they call green energy, which means uh, don't use fossil fuels, uh, use wind and solar, and I'm in favor of wind and solar, but they can't take over right away. And we have these high gas prices uh, that we would reverse because the president on day one stopped the pipeline, stopped drilling, uh, stopped uh, or lending to institutions of finance, lending to uh, to energy companies, uh, also uh, putting additional regulation on fracting. And that's why the price now is two-plus dollars more uh, than it was uh, when he came into office. We, at that time, we were energy independent. Now we're energy dependent. And the reason you know we're energy dependent is because the president is going to go to the Middle East and beg uh, the oil-producing countries there uh, to imp- uh, export to the United States uh, more uh, uh, of their dirty oil uh, that's going to cause even more pollution in this uh, country, greenhouse gas uh, pollution, etc. cetera, uh, completely contrary to the goals of this administration, wanting to clean up the environment. Right. We could meet a lot of that demand with American Ethanol Center, which I know you have been an ardent supporter of over the years. We've seen some movement from this administration releasing E15 for use this summer on an emergency basis. What's happening in Congress to ensure that E15 or larger blends can be sold year round? Well, if the Iowa delegation votes for it in the House, we've got an opportunity to get a bill to have E15 year round. Uh, and that could be voted on today. Uh, I don't know the chances of getting that up in the House of Representatives, but Klobuchar and I have legislation in on that, and Ernst has always been a big fighter uh, for E15 year-round. So I think we've got a a bipartisan group of senators uh, that uh, if Schumer will bring it up, we could pass that House bill over here. All right. So now it's just it's a matter of getting approval to get this down to the floor after that House bill hopefully gets passed later today. Is that right? Yes. Senator, I know you have been out on the road talking to constituents across the state of Iowa. Inflation, no doubt, top of mind. What are some of the other complaints or issues you're hearing brought up from folks across the state? Okay, we've talked about two of them that are high on the list. 
we've got uh, uh, inflation, uh, energy, and particularly for farming, that's diesel prices. By the way, diesel is at the highest price this day that it's ever been. So you can imagine what that's doing to farmers' uh, 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 top, bottom line. Then, of course, the next one is uh, the fact that this president isn't enforcing the immigration laws, and our immigration laws say you can't enter this country without our permission, uh, and uh, th those laws have been on the books a long time, but he doesn't mind. Last month, 239,000 people crossed the river into our country in violation of our laws. We welcome people that come to this country uh, under our laws because about a million people come here uh, every year. We welcome them. We would welcome some of the people that are coming across the border now Ill illegally uh, to do it the legal way, and they'd probably have good jobs here if they did it. Is there any possibility of legislation working to address immigration or how this administration is handling it here before the midterms? Uh, the president, by not enforcing the laws, have poisoned the waters or poisoned the uh, environment to discuss immigration laws. It's practically impossible to even get the subject up. I'd like to name five areas that ought to be handled in a bipartisan way if the president hadn't poisoned the well. Uh, unskilled workers, skilled workers, uh, engineers, professional people, uh, health care uh, people, doctors and nurses, and the other one would be the DACA kids, the people that came here uh, with their parents uh, when they were ch children. Uh, technically, I, uh, these ch children are uh, uh, illegal aliens, but nobody's going to charge them with c coming here illegally. It's their parents that violated the law, not the kids, and we ought to legalize them. All right. So that one might have a possibility of at least having a conversation here before the midterms, even if a vote sounds unlikely. I I sure hope so. Well, we're. I'll tell you, I can't have a meeting in Iowa without the issue of workforce shortage. Uh, we want to hire people. We can't hire people. That's another issue that comes up very regularly in my 99 county meetings. And so far, I've been in 63 counties in Iowa holding Q&A with my constituents. Fantastic, Senator. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us here on AOA, and we wish you safe travels as you traverse the rest of those 30-plus counties. Thanks for joining us here on AOA today. Okay. Okay, goodbye. Thank you. Folks, that was Iowa Senior Senator Charles Grassley. Stick around. We're going to talk a little bit more about that cattle market price discovery bill with Brooke Miller and Justin Tupper from the U.S. Cattlemen's Association when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before. Farmer's Log, soil date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops. They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. Guess you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on to. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's soil fleet humor. <laughs> Visit your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. 
Well, as we take a look at the market trade, we see corn, soybeans, and wheat futures holding on to some strength here, although we have uh, come off of our highs just slightly at a few of these contracts, but still holding some decent strength here as we work through the morning, even amid a sell-off in the stock market. The Dow Jones down 700-some points. NASDAQ down just over 400 points. S&P futures down a little over 100 points as well. And crude oil continuing to break lower, down 265 a barrel right now, 122.66. And we uh, we rebounded a little bit after the Fed interest rate hike announcement yesterday afternoon in the stock market. But we've given back those gains and then some here this morning as we just got some disappointing data piled onto the back of the historical Federal Reserve action. Now we saw this morning... Uh, Jobless claims for the week ending June 11th came in at 229,000, down 3,000 from the week prior, but above the average trade estimate of 217,000. That's just one of the numbers that we saw that kind of piled onto everything here. But in the meantime, we're still holding the strength in the grains despite the sell-off in the stock market. That is interesting to watch. While the livestock trade is mixed to uh, lower in cattle and slightly higher in the hog market here, as we work through our morning action, weekly export sales, nothing really to write home about. A marketing year low in the corn market was seen on the weekly report here as well. Right now, September corn up 12, 741. August soybeans up 7, 1620 and 3 quarters. September Chicago wheat up 12 and a half at 1076. September KC wheat up 15 and a quarter, 1155 and a half. September spring wheat up 13 and a half, 1215. July hogs currently trading up 52, 108.80. August feeders down 165, 171.62. August live cattle down 40, 136.40. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. You know, Washington, D.C. this time of year gets a little hot, gets a little humid, but it is still a place for folks to go when they want to get their voices heard by policymakers in that city when they're trying to impact the future of their industry. And one group did just that earlier this week. The United States Cattlemen's Association held their annual fly-in in Washington, D.C. And we're going to talk with a couple members of that group. Dr. Brooke Miller is the president of of USCA. Brooke, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Mike. It's my honor. And we've also got on the line Mr. Justin Tupper, an executive vice president there at UC at USCA. Justin, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Appreciate the time. I'd like to start, Dr. Miller, with you serving as president of this organization. Tell us how many folks were able to make their way to DC this year for the fly-in. Well, we had an executive fly-in, uh, it was a small fly-in, but very concentrated and focused. Uh, Justin and I made it. Uh, Leah Biondo was there. Justin's wife, Brooke, my wife, Ann. We also had uh, representatives from the president of the Independent Cattlemen's Association of Texas uh, and their staffer, Cooper Little, there. And this year, Brooke, talk about the importance of getting together and having these conversations. There is a lot of legislation that relates to the cattle industry here in 2022. What were some of the particular targets of legislation that you folks were focusing on? 
Well, we were focusing on competition, Mike, uh, and the lack of competition in the live cattle market. We were focusing specifically on two bills, uh, one that's going to be marked up in the Senate next week, the Cattle Transparency uh, Act, uh, C Cattle Market and Transparency Act uh, that is going through the Senate, and they're going to uh, bring it to the committee and mark it up next week and hopefully uh, vote it uh, through the committee and pass that there. And then the uh, Special Prosecutor's Bill, uh, that would establish an office of uh, uh, an investigative office within the uh, uh, walls of the United States Department of Agriculture to enforce uh, laws, existing laws, specifically the Packers and Stockyards Act that are currently on the books. Uh, that that bill, as we speak, is on the House uh, floor, I believe, being debated right now, uh, and we're very hopeful. But both of these bills will will pass both houses and. Uh, start the restoration of uh, a actually competitive free market uh, uh, live cattle market. And Dr. Miller, I think what's interesting is you're not just having this conversation in D.C. You have been working to get this conversation brought out into the mainstream. And in fact, I understand earlier today, you and Representative Abigail Spanberger had an editorial, an op-ed featured on Fox News. Tell us a little bit about what message you're trying to convey to those viewers about the cattle business here in 2022. Well, you know, the cattle businesses have been struggling for a long time, and, and like I mentioned previously, uh, our market is broken. There is no law of supply and demand in the live cattle market. Uh, we've got a concentration of four packers that control 85% of the uh, fat cattle market, and um, uh, they have a monopoly. And uh, these, these, these uh, corporations are foreign-owned, and we view this as a national security issue uh, for food safety and food security in this country. And if Americans uh, want to continue to enjoy a safe and abundant food supply, then we need to start taking care of our farmers and ranchers and uh, try to prevent these big multinational corporations from running roughshod over both the consumer and the producer. Well, that, that is the side a side effect of things is as supply gets concentrated, of course, the ability to control price at both ends goes up. Now, I want to ask about the the discussions you're having in Washington, D.C. Dr. Miller, this is an issue that really transcends partisan lines. Are you continuing to find folks on both sides of the aisle who are willing to discuss this issue and take it seriously? Absolutely. This is not a, a, a political issue. This is an American issue. Uh, we've got great champions on both sides of the aisle. Uh, Representative Spanberger is uh, leading the charge in the House on the special prosecutor's bill. Uh, Senators Testy and Grassley are carrying it uh, uh, in the Senate. Um, there are other, other uh, sponsors and supporters, and I would be remiss if I tried to name them all. Uh, the uh, legislation that Senators Grassley and Fisher uh, initially uh, uh, introduced, the Market and Transparency Act has got good bipartisan support as well in the uh, Senate and the House. All right, Justin Tupper, I want to get you in on this phone call as well, because I understand one of the other issues that has been under discussion, well, it's been under discussion for several years, labeling, efficiently, accurately labeling meat so consumers understand where it came from. Was that a topic you folks discussed while you were in D.C.? Absolutely. That's a topic that uh, we, we really believe in. And uh, uh, when we talk about labeling, uh, one of the things we, we, we want to say at all times is truth in labeling. We want to make sure that uh, the consumer uh, is accurately being able to buy and purchase uh, uh, the food that they want to buy and where it comes from. And I think one thing the pandemic taught us is uh, the consumer definitely wants to know where it comes from. So uh, right now, uh, there's some loopholes in the law allowing uh, uh, the big pork packers to bring in some of that meat from uh, third world countries or, or, or other countries, period and uh, repackage it and label it product to the USA. And we think that's unfair to the consumer. We think it's unfair to the producer that uh, uh, works hard to bring that product to you. So that's definitely a high priority for us. And how have those conversations been going? This product labeling issue is one that has been stuck for the cattle industry since 2014 when MCOOL went away. Justin, where have you guys found a compromise or is the discussion still ongoing? 
Well, I think very much so. The discussion's ongoing, but I think uh, that we, we found nobody that didn't want to fix the loopholes that uh, allow the packer to bring in uh, meat from somewhere else, repackage it, and uh, call it product of the USA. That's uh, uh, from the United States Secretary of Ag, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Bilsack, to any of the offices we visited. Everybody believes that we should make sure that we're not misleading the consumer and we're allowing uh, uh, the American producer to produce uh, that high quality product and make sure it's labeled uh, what it is. So I, <clears throat> I don't think uh, there's any question. I think it's definitely always a, uh, how do you get it done and where does it go from here? But uh, product of the USA is a, a, a high priority for U.S. cattlemen, and I think uh, we're on the right track to get something done. Justin, I know you work with cattlemen across the Great Plains in your day job. Can you tell us a little bit about the sentiment of those producers here this spring? Of course, they were buffeted by drought and then for some folks, excessive rainfall and and weird snow. What's the attitude of the producers you work with? Yeah, I think our president, uh, Brooke Miller, said it best. He goes, you know, if you're not for these bills that we're working on and and, uh, you're, you're not up there trying to advocate for the rancher, then you're for the status quo. And uh, that, that's what I hear a lot is our producers want to make a change. They want to get something done. Uh, we know that uh, it's always difficult to get everybody on the same page, especially in our arena. Uh, cattle producers are independent. Uh, they're, they're, uh, each and every one of them has their own operation, so it's tough to make sure everybody's on the exact same page. But without question, the sentiment I hear is we need to get something done. Uh, we need to make sure that the packer knows that uh, uh, we are here and we are going to work our tails off to make sure that we get our share of that pie. Uh, and, and right now, those big four packers are taking way more of that pie, uh, and we're getting less uh, at the producer level. So uh, I hear it all the time. Let's get something done. Let's move uh, move the needle and put it back in the producer side. And one of the ways, of course, looking to do that is with that special prosecutor bill that Dr. Miller talked about here earlier in the segment. And what have you heard on the possibility of that moving forward? I know it's been lumped in with several other pieces of legislation. Did that change its outlook? You know, I don't think so. You know, I'm definitely not uh, a U.S. cattleman. We have a team that works hard in Washington, D.C. to keep us informed and and, and work on those parts of the issue. For us, we think it's uh, definitely a high priority, and we don't think that uh, uh, putting it with something else changes the fact that we got to get it done. Uh, a special prosecutor and, and Fisher, Tester, and Grassley's bill go hand in hand. If we can get a minimum mandate of, uh, uh, and I mean a minimum, literally a minimum uh, mandate of uh, negotiated cash, and then we can have a referee in the game that does nothing but make sure that the playing field is fair for uh, those producers, I think that's huge. Uh, many have said, you know, the Packers and Stockyard Act does that, but uh, uh, it doesn't seem like we get anything done. We can't get any results out of the investigation they've done. So I think the two bills go hand in hand. I think we saw uh, Dr. Miller, uh, President Miller, and myself while we were in D.C., great momentum uh, to get these things moved forward. You know, this is a space that continues to change U.S. cattlemen, of course, fighting in D.C. for what you hope for. I'm wondering, Justin, Dr. Miller, would you two be willing to stick around and talk for one more segment about some of the other issues that are impacting the cattle sector? You got it. Yeah, certainly I would. Fantastic, folks. Then stick around. We're going to continue this conversation into segment four. All of the issues that are impacting that sector right now deserve a fair hearing here on AOA. So we're going to be talking about that. Stick around. We will have more of our conversation with Dr. Brooke Miller. He is the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. He's from Virginia, runs an Angus uh, 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 cow herd. And we're talking with Justin Tupper, who's a vice president there at uh, U.S. Cattlemen's Association from South Dakota, works with producers in his day-to-day life. Folks, stick around. We will have this conversation when AOA returns. And I also just want to make note that markets will be closed on Sunday night and Monday because the new federal holiday of Juneteenth gets underway this next Monday. So it'll be the first time we've seen that kind of a break during the year. We'll see what that does for market prices. But folks, stick around. We'll have more conversation with U.S. Cattlemen's Association when we return.
Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Hi, I'm Secretary Tom Vilsack. In my 40 plus years of experience in the ag industry, I have seen firsthand the tremendous value and influence of the census of agriculture. A complete count of our farms, ranches, and the people who operate them that tells the story of U.S. agriculture. It highlights trends, needs, and the great impact agriculture has on every American as well as folks around the world. Ag census data also informs federal, state, and local decisions that will affect you and your operations for years to come. If you're an ag producer, no matter the size of your operation, urban or rural, and you did not receive the 2017 Census of Agriculture and did not receive other USDA surveys, you still have time to sign up to receive the 2022 Ag Census this fall. Every voice matters. To sign up or learn more, visit nast.usda.gov backslash agcensus. Thank you. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, 
do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. We are continuing in this segment, a conversation we started here in segment three with Dr. Brooke Miller, president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, and Justin Tupper, vice president of that organization. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thanks for joining us here on AOA. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. I forgot to start segment three off with this. So, Dr. Miller, I'm going to throw this to you. For folks who maybe haven't heard the name U.S. Cattlemen's Association, can you tell us a little bit about your organization and what makes it different? Well, yeah, thank you for the question. We are um, a grassroots-only producer, feeder, and small processor organization. We have members all across the United States. We represent... uh, cattle producers all over the country. We have no other competing interests. We don't represent the packers. We don't represent the big, huge corporate feedlots. Uh, we are a true grassroots organization, and we will take up pretty much any issue uh, that can positively affect uh, the bottom line of our constituents. That's the bottom line, really, is improving the take-home for those farmers and ranchers out there working to raise this high-quality beef. Justin, I want to turn back to you. You made a conversation in the last segment. You said that cattle producers are independent, and I don't think there's anybody listening who would object to that. This is a sector of the ag economy that really eschewed government handouts for years and years and years and years. And now we're to a place, when I talk about the cattle market price discovery bill with, with cattle producers, I get pushed back just because it's asking government to take a larger role. And I think there's a reflective, "Eh, I don't know if I want Uncle Sam all up in my business. Justin, I'm sure you've heard similar comments from folks. How do you respond to those? No, I think you you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. I don't think any of us want government mandating our business, and and I'm the last one to want to. But when you have four packers uh, that are processing 85% of the cattle uh, that we raise, uh, there has to be a referee in there, and, and they can run roughshod over us if we don't have that. And I think one of the ways that we need to get competition back is we need to make sure that we do not lose uh, the ability to sell these cash cattle and, and, and make sure that they have to compete for them. And that's what it's all about. It's all about competition. Uh, the packer has worked their tails off over the last years to make sure they don't have to compete to buy these. Uh, they call them AMAs. They do lots of ways to make sure that uh, uh, they never have to wonder where their cattle's coming from and they never have to compete. Uh, I'm a sale barn guy, uh, so I absolutely believe in the competitive way of marketing livestock, and, and I think it works great in our industry, and, and that's what we're here to push for. So, Justin, another question for you. As you are a sale barn guy, I'm curious about the bill that would allow livestock markets to own processing facilities. Is that something you're in favor of either personally or at USCA? Well, I just think that it's an antiquated law. So we we have lots of uh, people within our industry talking about the sale barns uh, that are out here. Our livelihood depends on our producers making money and being able to make a living. So if that means that uh, some of our sale barn guys are putting some of their money in uh, these packing facilities to try to make a competitive market for all of our producers, I think they should be allowed to do that. You know, uh, the packers allowed to buy these cattle and hold them in captive supply and in large numbers. And I I think it's just only fair that uh, you shouldn't be able to tell any of our sale barn guys that they can at least uh, compete in that arena. Absolutely. Diversification, never a bad idea on the face of things. Dr. Miller, I want to turn back to you. This year we are seeing, well, I guess the past two years, we've seen exceptional interest in creating policy for the cattle market. There's a lot of irons in the fire, as we have discussed so far, but of course we're not done. And as you look out to the future, what are some other issues that USCA will be working on or is working on over the long term? Well, yeah, thank you for the question. 
we are looking at and have been looking at uh, truth in labeling when it uh, both as it both uh, represents uh, country of origin labeling and us being able to accurately identify our superior product to the consumer and we're also looking at truth in labeling when we talk about cell cultured uh, protein I don't want to call it meat uh, cell cultured protein we want to make sure that uh, those that are in that uh, uh, arena uh, can't confuse the consumer uh, and make them think that they're eating something uh, that they may not actually be eating so truth in labeling is something huge that we've been working on for quite a while and will continue to work on and I'm glad you brought up the alternative protein space, the, the cell cultured stuff in particular. Have there been much conversations about how to label that quite yet, or are these discussions still in their infancy? Well, USDA is, is currently in the process of, of looking at this, and we petitioned them several years ago uh, on this very same issue. and. Uh, they they indicated to us that they would probably come out with uh, a rulemaking uh, later this year, but uh, it's been a slow, slow, slow progress. Well, speaking of the USDA, I understand you had the chance to meet with Secretary Vilsack while you were in D.C. What were your comments made to the secretary? Uh, we uh, we talked a wide, a, a wide variety of, of topics. We talked about the checkoff and trying to make the checkoff actually work for producers. Uh, and we talked a lot about competition. And we were, we were heartened by uh, the Secretary's attitude. We think he has uh, cattle producers' best interests at heart. And we look forward to working with him on these issues. We'd like to modernize the checkoff, uh, make some changes. You know, right now, the checkoff uh, was voted in many, many years ago. and most of the producers, or a lot of producers, didn't have a say in it. So we think the checkoff needs to be accountable to those that are paying into it, and it's not. And right now, uh, if, if the checkoff does come for a referendum, uh, you either have to get rid of it or you have to vote it back in. There's no way to amend it or change it. And we would like to see uh, USDA work with Congress uh, in that respect to make it so it's uh, uh, they have the ability to uh, change change the checkoff. All right, checkoff changes under discussion. Folks, we've been talking with Dr. Brooke Miller and Justin Tupper from the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. Their website is uscattlemen.org. Thanks for tuning in to AOA Today, folks. We'll have more conversations on tomorrow's show. We'll see you then. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The Parkinson's Foundation knows that the disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. If you or someone you know is living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement, we understand that it can be difficult to know where to find help. If you have questions, the Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease. Help you find expert care and local support. Give you tips for living a better life. And share the latest research. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org. Or call 1-800-473-4636. That's 1-800-473-4636. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better, Better lives, lives together. together.